0: Amen. Wonderful. Great to be together. Great to spend some time worshipping through song and through the bread and the wine. Now we're going to spend some time worshipping as we listen to the Word of God given to us in the Scriptures. Last week, we began to think together about this super important foundational subject of prayer of prayer. Prayer is one of the things that needs to be central to the life of every believer and to the life of every community of faith such as this. I shared last week but one writer describes prayer as the breath of the soul, the breath of the soul and that's a really powerful description of prayer because it emphasizes the essential the foundational importance of prayer just as breathing is essential for our physical life if we don't breathe, we don't live, right? we all know that so prayer is as essential for our spiritual life we don't pray We find ourselves malnourished, we find ourselves um, not living the kind of life that God has called us to. So prayer is something that needs to be central to all of our lives, it needs to be central to my life and to my ministry as your pastor here at Hope Church. Prayer and preaching, as I've said a few times recently, need to be at the top of my to-do list every day. That's what God's called me to, and that's the way that God chooses often to build His church. It's through the preaching of the word and through prayer. It needs to be at the top of my to-do list, but it needs to be central to all of our lives. Prayer needs to be foundational to the life of every single disciple. Amen? Amen. Well, we all agree with that, don't we? Of course we do. We all agree with that, because we should, but here's the thing. Prayer can often be a curious thing. As much as we know it's a foundational thing, it can often be a curious thing, a perplexing thing, a frustrating thing, even. It's one of those things that we we all know that we should be committed to it's one of those things that we all know is super important to life and growth and health in faith but yet at the same time i think if we're honest prayer is one of those things where i think we all feel slightly inadequate amen whisper it it's one of those things we believe in deeply we know there's great power in prayer we know that there's great blessings to be received in and through prayer and we all want to pray more and we all feel that we should pray more but if we're honest I think when we truly reflect on our prayer lives I think many of us feel like we're probably falling short somewhat it can be really easy to begin to fall in the guilt when it comes to our prayer lives. I don't know if I'm just sharing from my own heart this morning or if it resonates with any of you, but if it does, I just want to say welcome to the club. right? Welcome to the club. We all know what it is to struggle with this wonderful thing called prayer. But at the same time, I also want to say that if you struggle with prayer if you have a tendency to feel inadequate or feel like you're falling short in prayer i want to say this morning as strongly and as sincerely as i can please don't let yourself fall into guilt or shame over it guilt and shame don't belong in the life of the christian because you know god's love for you is abundant overwhelming extravagant all-sufficient love for you is not contingent on the quality or the consistency of your prayer life. Do you know that? You could pray 22 hours a day like Anne does. <laughs> or you could pray 30 seconds a day. Does not change the way God feels about you, does not change His love towards you does not change actually the security of your salvation in him does not change your position as a child of god and so no matter how well or not you feel you may be doing when it comes to prayer please don't let yourself fall into the trap of guilt and shame you see we don't pray in order to increase God's love for us. We don't pray to somehow earn God's favour in our life. We don't pray to somehow twist God's arm. We don't pray to make him like us or love us anymore. That's not why we pray. In fact, the opposite is true. We pray so that we might love not so that he might love us more. Because, you see, as we pray, as we connect with God in the Spirit through prayer, something wonderful begins to happen. God begins to reveal more of himself to us. He begins to show us his to reveal the depths and the wonder and the beauty and the glory of his great love towards us and as we pray and as he begins to reveal who he truly is, what begins to happen is our own hearts begin to stir with love and affection towards him and so we don't pray to make him love us more, we pray in fact so that we might know him better and love him more so don't feel guilty or ashamed because you're struggling when it comes to prayer. God loves you whether you pray lots or pray little. He loves you because you're a child of God. Yes, you are. I'm going to talk about prayer a bit more this morning and prayers are a massive subject, right? Of course it is. And there's lots of layers to prayer. We could spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks searching and exploring the scriptures, learning more about what prayer is. But last week and this week, I have chosen just to approach prayer really at what I feel is perhaps its most basic and simple level why pray in its most basic and simple form why do we do it if you remember last week i i shared with you um i shared with you what was a really significant moment for me in my own journey of prayer i shared with you these words from jesus in revelation chapter 3, I think they'll be up on the screen, thank you Nigel these famous words from Revelation chapter 3 really helped move me further in my journey of and enjoyment of prayer Jesus says this, here I am I stand at the door and knock and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door I will come in and eat with that person and they with me these are really famous words but they provide a really beautiful and compelling picture for us of the heart of god jesus is standing at the door and knocking desiring to be let in so that he can enjoy some company and some fellowship with whoever is on the other side of the door this was really helpful for me when i began to think of my own relationship with prayer the reason it was helpful for me was because I discovered in these words that Jesus really wants to be with me. That Jesus really wants to develop a friendship with me. In fact, I discovered in these words that Jesus wants to be with me actually far more than I want to be with him. And I think up until... A few years ago, when this was pointed out to me, I think, perhaps subconsciously, that I'd always understood prayer as if it's me trying to get the attention of God. That's why we pray, because we need God's attention. But actually, I saw in these words that the reverse is actually true. Jesus is trying to get my attention. All the time. He's knocking, trying to get our attention. And so when it comes to prayer, it's not so much about trying to get His attention, it's more about responding to Him, trying to get our attention. We don't pursue Him, He pursues us. When we pray, at its most simple level, we're opening our hearts and receiving His pursuit of us. And so right now, whether you've prayed for one hour this morning, or one second, whether you've prayed every hour of every day over the last month, or not at all, whether you've prayed lots, or haven't prayed in the last six months, understand that Jesus is knocking. And he wants you. He wants to develop a deep, intimate friendship with you. He wants friendship with you. Isn't this what Jesus said in John 15? He says, I've not called you servants. He says, I've called you friends. I've called you friends. And prayer at its most simple level is about developing that friendship that Jesus invites us to. So that was last week. Why pray? because Jesus wants us. Jesus wants us. This week, I want to move it a bit further. And I want to say the reason, I want to explore this idea with you this morning. The reason we pray is because we need him. Right? He wants us. We need him. Why pray? He wants us and we need him. We pray because we need him. We pray because we need the presence of Jesus in our lives, just like we breathe because we need oxygen to survive, so we pray because we need Jesus just the same. We pray because we need him. Now, I don't know about you. But I'm coming to realize, the longer I live, I'm coming to realize more and more that I don't think I have what it takes to thrive or even survive when it comes to this thing called life the longer I live the more convinced I become about this and I'll reflect back on my younger days and when I was younger I was full of faith for sure full of passion loved Jesus loved life full of enthusiasm but as I reflect back what I have come to realize is that when I was younger, I was also full of arrogance, right? And actually full of folly, right? When I was younger, life seemed so simple. It seemed so easy. When I was younger, I felt that I was more than enough equipped to thrive and flourish in life but as you kind of get older and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong as you kind of get older and live a bit more and certain things happen or don't happen you kind of begin to realise that life isn't quite as easy or as simple as perhaps we thought it once was I've got older I've begun to see that actually life pretty complex, it's pretty deep, it's pretty unpredictable. As you get older, you begin to realise that 90 plus percent of all the things that contribute to my life are actually outside of my control. I know if you ever thought about that. But most of what contributes to the life that you live is actually outside of your control. Think about it with me, will you? We don't have any control over things like the weather, right? That's even You should know that being in Cornwall, right? Yeah. Goodness me, even the best meteorologists in the world don't, can't work out Cornwall when it comes to the weather, right? We don't have control over that and the weather plays a massive part in contributing to our lives because if it doesn't rain then food doesn't grow and if food doesn't grow then we don't eat and if we don't eat then we don't survive and we don't flourish and so this thing that we depend on for life and sustenance and flourishment is something that is actually outside of our control. We don't control the weather. We can predict it, but we can't control it. The same is true of our economy, right? I mean, we should know that over the last few years. We do not control our economy. We don't know if the money that we've got in the bank is going to be enough or sufficient for us to get the basic needs that we need to survive and thrive. We don't control that. We have no control over it. We learned that the hard way, I think, very recently. We don't control our government or the decisions that they make right we don't i mean of course we live in a democracy and we should be thankful for that and so we do have a little bit of an influence on what happens a tiny little bit of an influence of what happens in the offices of power but ultimately we don't control what decisions get made what laws get passed we don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, next week, when we've got a new leader. We don't know how that's going to impact our lives. We don't have any control over that. We don't control our health. We don't control it. We we can try and manage our health. We can try and live our life in a way that is conducive to healthy living. But ultimately, we don't have control over what our body does or doesn't do. Most of what contributes to the life that we live, friends, is actually outside of our control. And these are just the external things of life. The things on the outside of who we are. Don't even get me started, friends, on my internal life. Because if you think, if I think my external life is complex and deep and unpredictable, wow! If you only knew what goes on in here and in here I don't know about you but the older I get the more baffled I am at myself the things I think the Way I feel, the ways that I act, the ways that I behave, sometimes it just doesn't make sense. I look inside my own head, I look inside my own heart, and sometimes I'm at a loss as to going, What on earth is going on inside of me? Sometimes it feels like I'm not even in control of what's happening inside (coughs) of me, let alone what's outside of you and that's just me you throw my wife into the mix right the person that I care about more than anybody else on this planet the person that I actually want to thrive and flourish more than I want myself to thrive and flourish I try and look in her heart and I can't make sense of that after time right I don't know what's going on in there a lot of the time or in or in her head right i just sometimes I'm just like i'm not in control of this thing called life you throw our kids into the mix the people who i care about more than anybody else on this planet the people that i want to thrive and flourish more than anybody else and they're all so wonderfully different but i can't get inside their hearts or their heads, and I can't work out what's going on in their life. And there are times in our parenting, correct me if I'm wrong, those of you with kids, there are times in parenting when you are at a loss. Right? There are times when you just have to stand back and look at your kids and go, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what the right thing, or the best thing, or the wise thing to do is. And so there's me, I can't work out my own heart and my own mind a lot of the time, can't work out my wife, can't work out my kids, and then throw into the mix the the crazy idea that God has somehow appointed and chosen me to come and be the shepherd of you lot. And you're all just as complex as I am, right? i hope you're not getting offended this morning but you are i can't work out what's going on on your heart a lot of the time i care and i want all of us together to thrive and to flourish and to grow in faith and love and life of course i do but there are just times when you just like i don't know i don't know So very often I find myself in a place where I know that I need help. I can't do anything on my own. I need help. You need help and we need help and that friends is where real prayer begins that is where real prayer begins, Lord I need help I can't do this on my own, I am not strong enough, good enough brave enough, wise enough, godly enough even, to do this thing called life on my own. I need help. That's where prayer is. It's an acknowledgement and an acceptance of the reality that we need help. You know, it takes quite a lot of humility to be able to Pray that, pray that prayer. I need help. Because we're not actually bent towards that idea. Actually, in our natural selves, we all feel like we can do it on our own. And we all want to think that we're strong enough to do it on our own. So to pray, Lord, I need help, takes a lot of humility. It takes a lot of swallow pride, actually. But it's the best thing we can ever do, friend is to come to that place where we realize we need His help. And when we begin to realize that, and when we begin to (laughs) pray like that, you know what is happening? We are becoming more like the human beings that we were always meant to be. Right? None of us were made to live life independently. None of us were made to depend on ourselves. That was never God's intention for humanity. We were made, we were built, we were created, we were fashioned to depend upon him. To live our lives intimately connected to God and to build all that we are up on him and so when we come to him in that place of weakness and desperation and humility and say Lord I need help you're becoming more like the human that you were always designed to be you begin to fall more into line with your true purpose and true identity I don't know if you've noticed that as you've read through the gospels but even Jesus, even Jesus didn't consider himself able. This might have surprised you Even Jesus didn't consider himself able or capable of doing life all by himself. I don't know if you've noticed, but some of what he says really shines a spotlight on this idea. Look at some of these scriptures that I've put up for you. John 5, verse 19, Jesus said this, Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. John 5, verse 30, By myself, Jesus says, I can do nothing. John 8, 28, Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. John 12, 49, I did not speak on my own. The Father, the one who sent me, he commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to life, so whatever I say, is just what he has told me to say. Mm, isn't that fascinating? Jesus, the one in whom, through whom, or for whom all things exist. The one who holds all things together. The one who spoke the words of the, of the words of the universe into being by the word of his power. Even he says, I can't do anything on my own. We read the story of his life and we get the impression that Jesus was not prepared to say anything or do anything on his own. Jesus lived every moment of his life with a deep awareness of and a deep dependence upon the presence of his Father. Jesus didn't do life on earth. And this is the kind of relationship that he invites us into with him, a relationship where we learn to live our lives in complete dependence upon him, a relationship where we refuse to believe that we're capable to do anything on our own, a relationship where we realize that everything we do must be done in complete dependence upon Him. Remember what Jesus said to His disciples just a little while before He was led away to be crucified. In John 15, Jesus said this He says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless. You abide in the vine. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is Jesus describing the relationship that he was inviting his disciples, which includes you and me here this morning. Describing the relationship that he was inviting his disciples into as like the relationship between a vine and a branch. Think about that picture with me for a moment, would you? A branch depends on the vine. If the branch is going to be fruitful, if there's going to be any fruit that's produced on the branch, it must be intimately connected to and completely dependent upon the life that is found in the vine. And that's the relationship that Jesus is inviting us into. A relationship where we realize that without him we can do nothing, but with him we can do all things. It's the kind of relationship that Jesus enjoyed with his Father, and it's the kind of relationship that he is inviting us to enjoy with him. A relationship of total and utter dependence upon him. Without me, you can do nothing. That's why we pray. That's why we pray. And I'm convinced that what Christian maturity really looks like is us becoming more and more convinced that what Jesus said is true. Christian maturity looks like us really and increasingly learning to believe that what Jesus said is true. Without him, we can do nothing. That's what Christian maturity looks like. And it kind of seems counterintuitive sometimes. And it kind of, in some ways, cuts against the way that we run our own lives and some of the values that we carry in this world. Because we tend... to think that life is about moving from dependence to independence, don't we? Right, when you're a baby, you're dependent upon your parents for everything, right? Your food, your water, your clothing, you need to be carried everywhere, you need to be dressed every day, everything that you need, you must be completely dependent upon your parents for that. and really we see the goal of parenting as taking a child from that state of complete dependence to a state of independence, right? We see our job and our role as parents to teach and train and love and guide our kids so that eventually they can do life without having to ultimately depend upon us for everything. That's what the job of a parent is, right? You take your kid from a position of dependence and you teach them and train them and lead them so that eventually they can live a life of independence, where they don't depend upon you for everything. But what Jesus is saying here is the other way around. Christian growth, Christian maturity is the opposite. We we grow in dependence. The the more we grow in Christ, the more we realize that we can't do anything without him. That's what it looks like to become mature as a Christian. It means to lean upon him more, to depend upon him more, to trust him more, to build your life upon him more, to be more aware of his presence, to be more desperate for his help. That's what Christian growth looks like. It's becoming more dependent upon him, not less. Dependent upon him. And that's why we pray. We pray because we know that without him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. We can do nothing. And my prayer, my desire, firstly for my own life, but also for all of our lives together, is that we would grow in an awareness of how incapable we actually are. Might not sound particularly motivating to you this morning. Might not be particularly inspiring. But my prayer for us this morning as followers of Jesus is that we would increasingly grow in our awareness of our utter need for Him. I want to pray that we all come to moments in our lives where we stand back and we say, I can't do this. You ever had a moment like that? Maybe even this week you've had a moment like that. Maybe even this morning you've had a moment where you've been brought to a place where you've just gone I can't do this this is too much for me and if that's you I want to tell you that you're growing in Christ I want to tell you that you're growing in faith I want to tell you that you are on the road to maturity because Christian maturity is about realizing that without Him we can do It's not a comfortable place to be when you feel weak and incapable. It's not comfortable, it's not a nice place to be. But friends, it's a safe place to be. Please hear me. To be on your knees in utter need is a safe place not nice not comfortable but it's safe because in that place when you're on your knees you come to the end of yourself and you recognize how much you truly need the help of your heavenly father they're the kind of prayers that the lord jesus loves to respond to they're the kind of prayers that he loves to respond to. He loves to pour out mercy on those who are truly in need. He loves to give strength to those who know they are truly weak. He loves to give wisdom to those who know they are truly foolish. He loves to bring hope to those who know that they are truly in despair. They're the kind of prayers that Jesus loves to respond to. Prayers of desperation. Prayers for mercy. Prayers for grace, prayers for help, because God is the kind of God who delights to meet the needs of those who are weak. That's the kind of God that He is. He's not the kind of God who helps those who help themselves. He's not the kind of God who only scratches the back of those that scratch His back. He's not the kind of God who only gives strength to those who are already strong. No, 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 no. He's the God who pours out mercy on the weak and the broken and the incapable and the foolish and those who are in despair and those who are hurting he loves to pour out mercy and grace upon us when we find ourselves in that place and so if you feel weak this morning hallelujah because as paul would later say in the new testament when we are weak then we are strong It's not just a nice verse that you put on a coffee cup or on the back of your car. There's actual, profound, powerful, life-transforming truth contained in those words. When we are weak, that's when we are really strong. So friends, I'm praying. I'm praying that you find yourself in a moment of weakness this week. I'm praying that you find yourself aware of your inadequacies, And your incapabilities I'm praying that you find yourself on your knees calling out to him saying Lord I can't do this thing called life I need some help I pray that God leads us to that place this week I'm sorry if it's not inspiring you this morning I'm sorry if it's not motivating you this morning. I'm sorry that I'm not the kind of preacher who's going to get up and say, you can do it, go for it, smash it, you're good, you're great, be the best you can, you're brilliant, God thinks you're great. I'm not that kind of preacher. No, 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 I'm going to say, yes, God thinks you're great, and he loves you, and he values you more than you can ever wrap your mind around. But let me tell you one thing, let me burst your bubble this morning. You cannot do anything without Him. You can't. I can't. We can't. And so we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And we pray. And we wake up in the morning. And we pray. And we go to work. And we're on the bus. And we pray. And we get to work. And we sit at our desk and we pray and we go to make a coffee in our coffee break and we pray and we have lunch and we pray and we come home and we pray we pray with our kids we pray with our wives before we go to sleep we pray as we sleep we say Lord would let my sleep be a prayer to you and we wake up in the morning and we do the same thing over and over again because when we pray then God pours out his mercy upon us then the strength that comes from the spirit of God is poured into our lives and we find that we actually can live the life that he's calling us to live, but not because we're great or strong, but because he gives us strength and wisdom to do what he's calling us to do. And so I'm going to pray this morning. I'm going to pray that we would all become more aware of